thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Minute Maid Park in Houston. It's the Astros 4, the Indians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And you know, the Indians had themselves a battle. They had themselves a tough game yesterday in Houston, and I thought they fought pretty hard. I thought they uh, they made an effort to keep that one close, to stay in that game. Uh, they were really going with the C squad out of the bullpen, maybe even the D squad out of the bullpen, and they were able to hang in the game. They just didn't have enough to tangle with the Houston Astros, and I think we can all agree that the Houston Astros are probably at a different level right now than the Cleveland Indians are at, but they hung in there. They gave it the old college try, and they uh, they made a game out of it. So let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines and see what went down. And the big storyline for me is J.C. Mejia, who has eaten a loss the last four times he's pitched, went out there and gave you one heck of an effort. Now, uh, the last time he faced Houston, he only lasted four innings, gave up two home runs, six runs on five hits in that game, only three strikeouts. Then he faces the Tampa Bay Rays on the on July 7th, takes the loss in that game, only lasts two and two-thirds in that one, gives up six runs on only four hits in that one. Then does a minor league start during the All-Star break for the Clippers, takes the loss in that one, goes two and two-thirds there, gives up seven runs on four home runs, four, three walks, four home runs, seven runs. That's what he gave up on the day. No singles, no doubles. Just bombs. So then he comes out against Houston. It's announced that he's going to be in the rotation uh, when we break the all. When we come out of the All Star break, and everyone's thinking, what What about those four home runs? Made you think that he was ready? Well, he comes out against Houston, and he did give up a home run. Did give up a two run home run. Did give up seven hits, but he was able to limit the damage, and he was able to rack up eight strikeouts, which is his most strikeouts in his major league career. Um, the most before that had been six against the Twins back in June. So yeah, so he came out, and what was he throwing? What was he using to get all those strikeouts? It was the slider. It was J.C. Mejia's slider that was definitely locked in yesterday. And uh, in fact... In fact, if we go to the player breakdown, he ended up throwing the slider the most of any pitch uh, yesterday. It was the sinker for a long time. And then towards the end, he just kept firing sliders. And he ends up with six whiffs on 10 swings, seven called strikes on the slider. It's good for a 41% CSW on that slider alone. They fouled off four, and guess what? They put zero sliders in play against him. Now, cannot say the same thing for the sinker. On the sinker, there were 18 swings, only two whiffs. He did get six called strikes for a 26% CSW, nine fouls, seven sinkers put in play. I tried tweeting out at Zach Meisel, at Mandy Bell, you know, our Cleveland beat reporters. I guess I could have added a few more in there um, to ask them why so many Indians pitchers are throwing ineffective sinkers, right? Quantrill throws a sinker, although his is a little bit better, although he doesn't get a lot of swing and miss with it. Mejia throws the sinker. There are a ton of starters and a ton of pitchers right now that throw a hard sinker. 
And I don't know if it's an organizational thing. You know, is this something they teach down in the minors? Is this a Carl Willis thing? Does he just love this pitch and think every pitcher should throw it? You know, what is the genesis? Or is it just that these guys came up throwing it and they just happen to like this pitch? You've heard about other situations where a guy changes teams and, you know, at his old team, they threw four-seam fastballs. At his new team, all they throw are two-seam fastballs. And they really want them to learn the two-seam fastball. You heard you hear stuff like that all the time. So I don't know if Zach or Mandy will ever get back to me. I mean, I thought that's what Twitter was for. I guess I was wrong. Uh, maybe it'll pop up in one of their mailbag articles or something like that. But uh, yeah, I don't. I would love an answer to know why so many throw the sinker, and it doesn't feel like it's a great pitch for anybody on the Indians right now. And it wasn't for JC Mejia last night. Like I said, 18 swings, only two whiffs on it. It got hit around seven times. Now you take the four-seam fastball. The four-seam fastball, he had a 40% CSW on. He only got one whiff on seven swings. He got seven called strikes, which really padded that CSW number. But he had five foul balls. Only one of his four-seam fastballs were put in play last night. And that was a Michael Brantley single in the fifth inning. So there's a pitch that he should probably be focusing on more than the sinker. I mean, he throws that forcing fastball pretty hard, maxed out at 95.1, average 93.2 on it. Uh, so yeah, a pretty good pitch for him. Even though he wasn't getting a lot of swing and miss on it, it was much more effective than the sinker, which he threw 11 more times than the forcing fastball. Also mixed in some few change-ups, a few curves. Didn't get any whiffs on those. Uh, not really effective pitches for him there. It's a total 32 CSW on the day for Mejia. And if we go over to those strikeouts, because the strikeouts were impressive. If we go over to the illustrator here, and we're just looking at the strikeouts, uh, he had a ton of sliders that swept across the zone. Four sliders swept across the zone, getting McCormick, getting Maldonado, and then getting Correa twice. He gets Correa way outside, and then gets him even further outside in the second strikeout in the third inning. Both of those coming with runners in scoring position. Both of those coming with runners on uh, and getting him out of jams. And then he threw one to Gurriel that was like a backdoor slider that he uh, got for a called strike on the left edge of the plate. Also got two strikeouts for being the fastball, painting the edges with the fastball, and then a curveball he dropped on the left edge of the plate, got Robel Garcia. So it was a good strikeout day for J.C. Mejia. Now, he did get hit around a little bit, right? He did give up some hits. I am not denying that, right? He gave up seven hits on the day. He was hard hit one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times. But those strikeouts were huge. I mean, it saves him in the first inning. He's in serious trouble in that first inning after Brantley singles, Gurriel doubles, and a terrible throw home from Cesar Hernandez. Like they probably, they probably should have got Michael Brantley at the plate. A good relay throw probably gets Michael Brantley at the plate. Absolutely terrible relay from Cesar Hernandez. Uh, I believe Gurriel moves up to third on that one, and then he walks Jordan Alvarez. Can't blame him there. You'll see why later in the game. But then he strikes out Correa and strikes out Kyle Tucker to get out of that mess. Gets Tucker with the fastball. That was one of those. I believe that was a fastball up and in that he got Tucker with. 
then comes back and strikes out the side in that second inning, gets McCormick with the slider, gets Garcia with that curve, and gets Maldonado with that slider. So yeah, that pitch really got him out of trouble. In the third inning, uh, Altuve singles, Brantley's forced out, Gurriel's hit by the pitch, Alvarez grounds out, and then he gets Correa again to strike out to get out of that jam. So huge, huge job for him, getting out of trouble. He would finally get tagged by Jordan Alvarez in the fifth inning with Michael Brantley on. Alvarez would crush one way out, way out to uh, to left uh, to right field, and uh, that would give the uh, the Astros the big the lead that they would need. I mean, it would be a it would be a four one lead at that point, and they would never relinquish the lead from that point forward. Just to be fair. Just to be fair, let's take a look at uh, what pitch was hit for that home run. And uh, the home run to Alvarez was a changeup. Um, yeah, so the home run to Alvarez was a changeup that was high up at the letters. And uh, you can't be leaving a changeup there. Yeah, I mean, that's a hanging chain. That's begging to be hit for a home run. So he messes up with the changeup. And pays the price for it. Now, home runs are definitely a thing that he has got to work on. I mean, like I said, he gave up four in that minor league start. So, home runs will hurt him. But the fact that he was striking out that many hitters and that his slider was that effective. Got a couple of swords with it. uh, Where they chop. That's an old pitching ninja. Not an old pitching ninja thing. A new pitching ninja thing. Where they chop at the ball. Call it a sword. It's a new term uh, that you're going to hear a lot. Got a couple of those with the slider where, you know, guys can't check their swing and they end up just chopping at the ball. Um, so that was really good to see. That was, I, I think it was an encouraging start from Mejia. Now, other storylines for me, uh, I'm sticking with mostly the Indian stuff here. And I think I think Jose Ramirez is in a slump right now. I think we all have to admit it happens. We've seen it before from Jose Ramirez. And... Even though his percentile rankings are still really high in almost every category. I mean, he is blazing red over here on Baseball Savant. 87th percentile on expected weighted on base percentage. 87th percentile on expected batting average. 86th in expected, expected slugging percentage. 79th in hard hit percentage. Uh, average exit velocity, 80th percentile. With percentage, 93rd percentile. Chase rate is down at 68th percentile, still above league average. Uh, outs above average is at 91st percentile. So this guy is still ranked very highly. But if you just look, if you just look at the uh, at the monthly breakdown here, at the monthly spits, uh Post All Star break, he's only hitting 133. He's two in uh, two hits and 17 plate appearances since coming out of the All Star break. In the month of July, though, he's only seven hits in 46 plate appearances. He's only hitting 179 total for the month of July. This is after he hit 293 in June. Had his best month in June. Had a 916 OPS for the month of June, and. Uh, 24 hits and 90 plate appearances for the month of June. It's been a real struggle in July. Only a 586 OPS for the month of July. Only one home run, one double, only two extra base hits 
in the entire month of July. And even worse, only two RBIs in the entire month of July. So yeah, I think it's fair to say that Jose Ramirez is scuffling right now. And it hurt the Indians, I think, a little bit last night. I think there were some situations uh, with runners on base. Let's see here. Yeah, he left four runners on base individually last night. I mean, the Indians, individually, if you add it all up, it's 17 runners left on base. They were two for six with runners in scoring position. As a team, they left eight runners on base last night. So not a great job with runners on base yesterday for the Indians. Um, so yeah, so Jose Ramirez, he will figure this out though. He will work his way out of this. This is what Jose Ramirez does. We've seen these slumps though last for you know a month or two at a time before. You know, sometimes it's the start of season and then he goes on a tear for the next four months. So hopefully this is something he can put behind him in the month of July and figure things out going into August and turn this thing around going into August because we need him. I mean, this offense barely functions without him. And do not pay attention to the stupid articles out there right now because there are a t- everybody is writing a stupid article right now leading into the trade deadline. Everybody wants to get some, you know, get some read out there, get their name out there. All these writers are writing stupid articles like, it would take a huge offer to get Jose Ramirez from the Indians. The Indians are only listening to insane offers for Jose Ramirez. Don't listen to that noise. Don't pay. Don't tweet about it. Don't listen to it. Don't pay attention to that noise. You know who got traded so far this uh, trade deadline? Jock Peterson. There's an actual article you can read. There's some actual news you can sink your teeth into, right? Uh, the extension rumors for Byron Buxton and stuff like that. Okay, that's some fair news. But... I mean, they every day there's a new article about how the Padres want Joey Gallo. And I will laugh my rear end off if Joey Gallo goes to any other team besides the Padres. Because that means we'll have weeks of articles leading up to the trade deadline that completely led you down the wrong path. So it's always this time of your hot stove and, you know, in the offseason, you know, where guys are going to sign. And the trade deadline is the perfect time for just... I wouldn't say misinformation. I wouldn't even say bad reporting. Just reporting on nothing. Reporting on air. Reporting on the the tiniest of tiniest rumors just, just to get something published at this time. So that's why we're going to stick to the game on the field until there's some real news to sink our teeth into. My next storyline in this game, dropping down one spot in the batting or it's for Mio Reyes. Reyes had two big hits yesterday. He gets the solo home run. He absolutely cranks one. I believe it was a curveball that Granky hung to him. And he cranks it out to the seats in left field. And that would be in the fourth inning. Uh, it hurts because Jose Ramirez had just grounded into a double play. Ahmed Rosario had singled to lead off the game. Ahmed Rosario was three for five in this game with three singles. So... A decent day for Ahmed Rosario at the plate. Got his average up to 270. But unfortunately, double play erases him. And then Reyes hits the home run. 106, 100.6 mile per hour exit velocity, 371. Only had an expected batting average of 240. But there is a short porch there in uh, uh, in left field for the Astros. I don't know about that expected batting average right there. I think that was pretty clearly a home run or at least a double in most parks. Um, so there's a big home from him there. And then he comes up with another RBI hit 
in the sixth inning. This time, 103.9 miles per hour, uh, a shot to left field. It ricochets off the glove or, or bounces off the glove of Michael Brantley. And it allows uh, Jose Ramirez to move up. If Cesar Hernandez comes in to score, uh, Ahmed Rosario had been forced out by Jose Ramirez. So Jose Ramirez is the runner on. He moves up to third. Fermil Reyes thought he could get to second. There's a little hesitation. When you watch the replay, and there was one camera just locked on Fermil the whole time. As he's running first, he sees the bobble, and he hesitates for just a second. Oh, just a second, a, a little hitch in his run, and that's all it takes. And he's thrown out trying to reach second. Uh, and then, unfortunately, the rally dies there. Bobby Bradley would draw a walk to keep the inning alive, but Harold Ramirez would pop out to end that threat. Uh, if Fermil Reyes doesn't, oh, man, if he doesn't get thrown out there, it probably could turn into a really big inning. I mean, it's the butterfly effect. You have no idea what would happen after that with Bobby Bradley and Harold Ramirez. There's no guarantee it would be a walk and a pop out after that. Even if it was, the bases would be loaded. Um, so yeah, so that one hurts a little bit from Fermil Reyes. I can't blame him for going. We've seen Fran Wheel Reyes uh, leg some things out, right? Those triples. He scored on a couple of plays. So he has that burst when he needs it. But I think that little moment of hesitation, that little moment of doubt totally cost him on this one. And he was pissed at himself. But it's still a big day from him. And those bobbles in the outfield, it happened three times. I don't know if it's something about the grass out there in Houston, but it happened to Michael Brantley. It happened to Bradley Zimmer in center field. That one didn't really cause too much damage. A run did come in to score, but the odds of Brantley, uh, of Sorry, of Bradley, Bradley Zimmer scooping that ball and throwing home, eh, it would have been a really, uh, really slim chance of getting that out, probably. So that one doesn't hurt. But then uh, it happened to uh, Daniel Johnson in right field, where he bobbles one. That probably where he could have held, I believe it was Jordan Alvarez to a single. Instead, Alvarez is able to leg out a double after hitting one 105.6 off the right field wall absolutely smoking one off the right field wall. Uh, he's able to get a double. Now, it doesn't turn into anything, but a ton of bobbled balls out in the outfield by both teams. So it happened three times yesterday. It'll be interesting to see if that continues to happen throughout this series. Like, is this just something with the turf in Houston? I don't know. I don't know. All right. Uh, the last thing I want to mention is just Michael Brantley. And, I mean, as Indians fans, how much do you miss Michael Brantley, right? He was such, such a big part of the lineup. Hits for such. He is so professional. Hits for such a good average. He is he the most just professional hitter in baseball right now? Just makes it look so easy. Such a smooth swing. I mean... Will Michael Brantley go into the Hall of Fame one day? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. He uh, I pulled up his individual page here, and he's got 1,522 hits. Now, he's 34 years old. Uh, I don't know if he'll be turning 35 this season or not. I don't know when his birthday is, but uh, he's probably got a few more seasons in him as a, mostly a DH. I know he's out there in left field. Last night, his outfield jump is in the 7th percentile. 
So doesn't really move around the outfield too well. But his batting average is number one in the American League right now at 329. And if you go back uh, in 2020, he was number nine in the American League at 300. At 2019, he was fourth in the American League at 311. In 2018, he was fifth in the American League at 309. He had some injuries, some of those injury years in 2017 and 2016 where he didn't play a ton of games. In 2015, he was number four in the American League at 310. In 2014, he was number three in the American League at 329. So, yeah, he has always been highly rated up there uh, as far as batting average goes. Will he get to 2,000 hits? Ooh, it'll probably come pretty close. If he could DH, if he could DH for maybe four or five more seasons, he might he might be able to break 2,000 hits for the career. Um, I don't know if it's a Hall of Fame career, but he'll definitely go down to the Indians Hall of Fame. I know that. There will be a plaque of him out there in center field one day for just being the most professional hitter you've ever seen in an Indians uniform. I'm the last guy who made it look made it look that easy when we're just talking about singles and doubles here. Just talking singles and doubles. I mean, his most home runs he's ever had in a season were 22 with Houston in 2019. Ugh, we don't want to talk about that. For the Indians, it was 20 home runs in 2014. Uh, yeah, 2014, his first All-Star season. Um, so he's not a huge power guy. The last guy to hit like that, I remember, it's probably Victor Martinez is the last guy that made it look that easy. Then before that, you're probably talking like Manny Ramirez, who just made it look that easy swinging the bat, that confident swinging the bat. Um, there's something special about Michael Brantley's approach of the plate and what he does. Will he be able to pass that on one day? I mean, does Brantley have a future as a, as a hitting coach, as a top hitting coach, as, or, uh, or as a manager one day? Um, you know, is he, will he be able to pass it on like Sandy Alomar has been able to pass on what he knows? I mean, Brantley is getting towards the end. Uh, he's definitely on the backside of his career at 34 years old. So can't really move around the outfield that well anymore. So he's probably got a few more seasons of DHing in his future. Maybe he'll stick in the outfield. Maybe if, you know, he'll play a few games in the outfield, but, uh, it'll probably be a lot of DH and uh, can he keep hitting at this rate? Keep that batting average up over 300, keep ranking in the top of the American league. He was an all-star again this season. So uh, he's been an all-star five times in his career. Who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll sneak into the hall of fame one day uh, for just being this guy that could just turn a base hit anytime he wanted to. So he goes two for four against us yesterday and surprisingly, scores both times he was on base. So it creates runs for the Astros both times that Brantley gets a base hit. So uh, that was huge for the Astros. The other thing from the Astros was Granky. We were actually able to chase him after four and a third innings. He only gave up five hits and two earned runs, one walk and four strikeouts for Granky. And we did tag him for that one solo home run. Gave up six hard hit balls on the day. But Granky, like usual, kept the Indians off balance. His last start against us went a little better. Uh, his last start uh, in progressive field on July 4th, he went seven and two-thirds. Gave up three runs in that on also five hits. 
uh, had eight strikeouts in that one. So he was more dominant against us his last time out. We had him a little bit figured out yesterday. Um, what was his CSW on the day? His most effective pitch was the four-seam fastball. Had 11 called strikes on the four-seam fastball. Good for a 44%. He was also working the slider. Uh, three whiffs and three called strikes on that. Good for a 40% CSW. Threw the sinker nine times, but actually was effective with a 44% CSW. It's good for a 32% CSW on the day. Uh, the Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, it was a good start, again, from Zach Granke. He did what he had to do to put his team in position to win. So it was a tough matchup for the Indians. I mean, Granke really knows how to keep teams off balance. And a young team like Cleveland is probably going to struggle against a crafty veteran like a Zach Granke. So that's all my thoughts from the game yesterday. Uh, I, I'm giving MVP for the day to JC Mejia. I know he takes the loss in this one. Uh, I know he gives up, you know, the home run there and uh, gives up four runs, but I thought it was a really strong start. There were some encouraging things from Mejia here, especially that slider, especially the strikeouts. There is, there is a future all-star, I think, in J.C. Mejia somewhere. If they can continue to work on his command, continue to work on throwing strikes, and maybe get away from that sinker and focus on the slider and the fastball, right? I think there might be an all-star somewhere within J.C. Mejia. So we'll see. They've got to get him deeper into games, right? He's got to get deeper into games. But that's something all rookies struggle with. You just got to be patient with these rookies and see how they develop. So J.C. Mejia, even though you take the loss, I thought you were pretty effective. I'm giving you MVP for the day. All right, that's all my thoughts. Coming up tomorrow, it's another 8 o'clock start. This time, it's Tristan McKenzie back on the mound, and he's going against Garcia for the Astros. So it's another chance for McKenzie to impress. Let's see if he can dominate like he did against Kansas City. All right, thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Houston. It's the Astros 4, the Indians 3. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at ClevelandBaseballMornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.